I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Euler, Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And how exactly can brands partner with creators to sell their products? Are free-spirited creators really compatible with commerce? Today, we're going to find answers to questions like these with the help of Ian Crockham. Ian is a former leader of the Facebook Creative Shop and current founder of Deft, a London-based consultancy which helps brands sell products directly on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and all of the other places creators love to play. So welcome to our episode of Everything is Better with Creators, where we find out how brands can collaborate with creators and connect their content to scalable commerce solutions. Roll the intro, please. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batozzi. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Emma Harmon, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Marco Patozzi, Jamie Goodfriend or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Coming up, we're getting right into this episode with our big interview with Ian Crockham from Deft. If you want to learn from one of the best strategists in the world on how to sell your products on TikTok, YouTube or Instagram, Get your stylus and iPad ready to take some notes. Just a reminder that everything is better with creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech, talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators to produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect you to your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R dot com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner. The Big Interview. 
Everything is better with creators. Ian, it's such a pleasure to welcome you today and welcome to our listeners. Um, we hope today to leave you feeling inspired and educated in the world of social commerce. For context, Ian is one of the leading experts on creative and digital strategy with an incredible career as a leader, board member and mentor in businesses including AKQA, American Express, Facebook Creative Shop, Creative Equals, amongst others. Ian's most recent business is Deft, a creative consultancy which helps brands unlock new revenue from social commerce, which he has founded. Um, now, Ian, let's kick off. I absolutely love the way you describe the social platforms as digital shopping malls. This is really a new world and a new way for brands to really think about how they sell product. Can you expand on that and tell us a little bit more about Deft and the reason that you left Facebook and started up this business? Thank you so much, Emma. It's nice to see you. So, yeah, so um, the digital shopping malls piece, I think that if you think about e-commerce in the olden days, which Amazon looks a bit like, it's a bit like spear phishing, I guess. So you say, I want a pair of black Adidas sneakers. Um, you kind of find the ones you want, and you get them and you leave again, and you're probably using a combination of Google and Amazon. But I think what we saw in the pandemic was the bit that people really missed was that kind of human connectivity, that discovery, the joy. You know, I think in China, which is a really leading place around social commerce, they talk about it being a bit like the night market. You know, the smells, the excitement, the lights, the people you'll meet, the conversations you'll hear. And, and that isn't really there in that old e-commerce. It's a bit more like a big box shopping experience. You drive out to a shopping mall somewhere on the outskirts of town and you go and buy something big and you leave. But it feels, leaves you a bit cold. It's not like going shopping in the West End of London with your friends and having a cake and a cup of tea and exchanging stories so i think the bit for me is that idea of the shopping mall or the shopping trip i think social commerce is trying to bring back that connectivity and discovery and magic and excitement and i think a lot of those are not there in a traditional e-commerce experience this sounds like a silly question but is there a big difference between the meaning of s-commerce and e-commerce can you just it, it should, should they are they approached as the same thing should they be thought of as one in the same thing because i i think some people aren't, aren't even aware that there's a difference with, with the two that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I always think of e-commerce as the kind of big grown-up stuff. So it's how do the platforms work and fulfillment and, you know, all of the other things that go into making it. And I guess for me, I think about social commerce as the traffic driving activities that sit on top of your e-commerce platform. So, you know, how do we drive traffic from the social networks? And it's the sort of the combination of paid media, organic creators and sort of creativity that makes all that happen. That's really interesting. And, and thanks for clarifying that, because there's so much jargon and language around these things that I think sometimes it's, it's, it's just getting your head around it. And I love the way that you bring it into real life terms in, you know, thinking about how people really experience brands. And it's, it's in so many different ways. What are the foundations here? You know, if I'm a, a new brand, I'm a D2C brand trying to get out of the gate. What are the foundations here? Are there any real principles that I should be really thinking about and ensuring that we're doing that sets us up to, to you know, to, to drive traffic into our e-com, to use our social platforms in the best possible way. Can you talk us through any of that? Well, I think the DTC mindset, you know, direct to consumer, so selling stuff from a website to, you know, to consumers' homes, I think the mindset there is starting at the bottom of the funnel and working back up. So start from the moment of commerce, start from the moment of action, 
I think um, the guys at Balenciaga call it the moment of climax, you know, the moment someone buys something and then work backwards from that. So I think most D2C brands are pretty good at converting people who were interested in their projects anyway and nudging them over the edge with a good Facebook ad or a good TikTok ad. Um, I think what's interesting about social commerce is going further up the funnel. I mean, there's definitely a, a traditional point of view, which is that it's really hard to build brand and build excitement kind of outside of traditional channels. Facebook's quite short form video, for example. But I think there's lots of really interesting things that you can do to, uh, to you know, appeal to new customers. Let's put it that way. And I think that live commerce, so going live on Instagram, going live on TikTok, I think that's a really good kind of new frontier to think about. So if you were a D2C brand and you wanted to go live on a Tuesday night for an hour, what would you do? And I think for me, the exciting things that you can do there, and we've done a lot of work with Snug Sofas, who are a D2C brand, um, and effectively, you need to get a really good creator or a celebrity to host a show. Imagine putting a show on, um, you know, and, and going live uh, with a show which excites people, intrigues them, gives them discovery. Maybe there's chances to win stuff. Maybe there's limited edition offers. Everyone loves a bargain. But how could you create a kind of entertainment format using your creators that also gets people to discover the brand, understand the brand and, and feel excited enough they want to buy some stuff from you in the future? And you mentioned, um, is it Snuggables you mentioned there, Ian? It's, it's Snug Sofas, they're called. Snugsofas.com. Snug sofas. Please buy some because I want to hit my targets for the month. <laughs> okay, head over to snugsofas.com. Um, put in code Ian. Um, yeah. Ian, tell us how that works. Where, What platform did that live shop, shopping experience take part in? What creators did you yeah. work with? How was it hosted? Could you just give us a bit more insight in that? Yeah, certainly. So, so I think um, so. So with Snug, so we used Instagram. So they're an Instagram first brand. That's where the majority of their following is. It's it's you know audience typically millennials, maybe skewing slightly more female than male, um, and into homeware and stuff like this. So Instagram is our our you know Instagram is our our place. It's where we live. It's the language we understand. So we used Instagram Live. Now Instagram Live is a bit harder to use than Facebook Live. Facebook Live you can use APIs and multi camera setups and post-production and overlays but instagram live is, is through the camera you know so you have to basically get a, a, you know you have to basically use this as your camera your phone which is very exciting so um we worked with um a i guess you could say creator but also a celebrity magician called troy the magician so troy's amazing and uh knows niran who's my co-founder very well and you know troy basically has a channel for magic show or has had a couple of seasons of one and does lots of things like this so we worked with him we said we've got a new product to launch um, we want it to feel like magic. We want to give this magical feeling. The product was called the Cloud Sunday. So it was about sitting as if you were in the clouds. We built a set in a studio, which looked like he was in the clouds. And he did tons of magic tricks throughout. So we had this entertainment thing that would pull people in. But the good thing that we learned as well was that we would also do giveaways. So if people were on the Instagram channel, they had a chance to win a new sofa of their choosing. And we would also do kind of little time-limited offers. So we had a bit of gamification in it a bit of entertainment in it as well. And I think, um, you know, and we learned a lot during that during that initial social commerce, live commerce piece that we did about how do you drive people into the channels? You need to do a lot of pre-work to advertise the channel, get yeah. people to pre-register, let them know there's something they mustn't miss and it's going to be really exciting. So a lot of pre-work, the during work, how does your creator, your celebrity bring everything to life? How do you manage people in chat, customer services? And then the post-work, what do you follow up with? Do you give everyone who showed up a discount? 
which is limited for an amount of time? Can you repackage some of the clips? Can you get your celebrity to send DMs to people? So there's a whole classic campaign and comms architecture that you can use. Um, and just in live, it's just really exciting to experiment with that. Did you find that the, with, with the, on the creator side of that, do you need creators that are also quite salesy and quite commercial promoting this type of thing? Like, is there anything that you learned from the creator that you partnered with? And could you have expanded and worked with even more creators to have driven this? Yeah, I think so. That's a really, really good question. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're learning is stuff that we've seen in China. So China is the most advanced e-commerce market in the world. I think in 2020 or 2021, more than half of all products that were bought were bought online in China. So it is a digitally native, you know, native e-commerce market. And they've had an extremely developed, you know, KOL influencer live commerce scene for several years now. Um, and the platforms that they use, things like PDD, have got slightly different features baked into them. So maybe you have a group buy feature where if 20 of you buy something together, you get a discount on it. And they've got all of these kind of social commerce features in them as well. So we learned a lot from that. I know that in China, there are a lot of um, what you would call maybe KOL schools. So it is training for people who want to sell on live commerce. And in a kind of old school way of thinking about it, it's very much like QVC. So as you said, mm -hmm. you need to entertain people, bring the product in. And there's just that balance of how much entertainment and brand building are you doing? versus how much product are you doing? It's just getting that balance right. So you definitely want people who can sell. But I think with the sorts of sort of creators and celebrities we're working with, we really want people who can entertain and we'll build a sales mechanic into it. We'll build a limited time offer. We'll build a, a special thing that they'll reveal and the first person who dials in gets it. That's awesome. I mean, you mentioned um, you used, you partnered with Instagram on this particular one. Have you done or even seen, Ian, any great live shopping experiences on other channels, whether your business has done it or it's been done elsewhere. Any any other examples there that we can kind of touch on? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on. It's it's quite, it's early in the game in Western Europe. In China, it's super mature and it's like a, a well-known way of doing business. I think a good thing to look at is if you go to Amazon and you search for Amazon Live, there's lots of experiments going on at the moment where you've got Amazon affiliates so these are people who are used to selling lots of Amazon products going live. And it's very QVC-like. They're almost walking through, you know, here's my treadmill and here's my weights that I work out with and here's my, you know, here's my water bottle. And so Amazon Live's good. I don't think it's anything that's going to set brand marketers' hearts on fire. It feels very bottom of the funnel-y. So that's a good one. The one I'm really excited about is TikTok. So TikTok did their first live commerce piece with Zara Larson for LS, the sports brand. Um, I think before Christmas. Um, that was super exciting for me. They'd integrated product catalog into the feed, which is a really big thing to do. So if you think if you're LS, you've got a website full of, of you know, socks and jumpers and tracksuits and limited edition, you know, Zara Larson goods as well. Well, you want those things to be shoppable. And the way that you would make them shoppable is bringing them into that live feed. So while Zara Larson's singing, you could maybe get the shoes that she's wearing or maybe you get the, the top that she's wearing as well. So TikTok have done those experiments and they've obviously got the audience, a younger audience who's willing to try stuff online and buy stuff online. So, so TikTok's great. The other one that is super good is Bamboozer. So Bamboozer isn't a social network, but it's a Swedish technology company. And they basically plug into your website. So rather than having to run one of these things on, on Instagram, um, you can actually run it off of your own website where the rest of your goods are as well. And that's got really good commerce integration. And you can also, I think, stream simultaneously on Facebook and YouTube as well. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Super interesting. And I can imagine territory that many brands are thinking we should try this and see how we can really leverage these audiences. Um, just just pivoting slightly in from the live shopping piece, um, you know, when many brands think about, you know, driving e-commerce or S-commerce or just really driving conversion, they have been massively impacted by the recent changes across the platforms, um, the recent privacy updates with iOS, et cetera. And it, it's, it's getting harder for brands to target and to convert. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, how brands move things on and execute going forward, given some of these big changes that have happened recently across the platforms? Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think definitely we've really seen the impact of it over the last year, particularly on Facebook and Instagram with iOS 14. Um, and I think it requires a change in mindset. So the thing I've learned working on social media platforms, a lot doing e-commerce is whatever you did yesterday won't work as well today. So you need to be in this kind of constant state of learning and constantly hungry. And I think what, what you know, there was a fairly well accepted way of working, which was very broad targeting and using the creative basically to kind of find audiences and using the machine learning and signals to do a lot of the media targeting work. Um, And that stopped with iOS 14. It became a lot less effective. So, you know, and again, this is something we're still working through and trying to figure it out, but it looks like you need to have a much better understanding of your journey. You need to have a, a much more precise link between the creative you've got on the landing page. So kind of sitting back and letting Facebook and Instagram's amazing algorithm do all the hard work doesn't work anymore and it's about taking control of your customer journeys and your messaging a little bit more and making it work through but it's been really really hard and i think a lot of people are like oh facebook's not working as well anymore it's not just facebook we've also come out of like two years of traumatic lockdown where we were you know forced to shop online now people are free to go outside again um there's also you know the specter of recession coming against us inflation people's confidence is down so Ecom's hard at the moment. It's not just Facebook and Instagram's fault. It's also the sort of macro conditions I think that we're in as well. There also seems to be, from what I'm hearing, I mean, especially in the in the, the Q1 uh, meta earnings call, particularly uh, that was released a couple of weeks ago, there seems to be a real focus on developing conversion ad formats as well. So lead gen, click to, click to messaging. And there seems to be a sense, and I, I watch lots of, you know, other podcasts and things, listen to things, and people talking about this collapse of the sales funnel, because especially on TikTok, where you've got things like TikTok made me buy it, you've got these creators there that are driving huge amounts of demand. You know, are creators one of the ways that brands can really combat this these issues that are happening with being able to get the reach and engage reach that they once could through the targeting tools that they once had access to that they now no longer have access to? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that the kind of with the changes, I think you just have to relook at everything. And if you are able to have a fairly poor piece of creative and just kind of brute force the sales out of it using Facebook and Instagram's algorithm, that's just not going to work anymore. So it's become competitive, but it's kind of become interesting as well. Um, and so definitely the DTC brands that I'm working with, particularly, you know, creators is a core part of the strategy, but it doesn't sit aside as an influencer team that's run by one group of people. It's integrated into paid media strategy and integrated into organic and creative activation as well. So I think that the, the creators are a big part of the solution, but I also think it's about taking a unified view of your activities and not going, well, SEO is doing that, but paid search is doing that and organic Facebook's doing that, but the you know paid team are doing this. I think it really needs a lot more coordination and orchestration. And I think it makes the job for marketers harder, but also more fun as well. It's really interesting because in some ways, going back to one of your originally, original points, having a differentiated brand, almost the value of brand marketing is, is now gone up from a performance perspective because you have to know the brand and build that brand love before you can really start flicking on the performance switch, so to speak. It's, it, it's all interlinked, isn't it? Absolutely. I spend half of my time in Google Analytics and the other half of my time is with Byron Sharp and how brands grow and long and short of it and you know, the brilliant Orlando Wood books as well, Look Out uh, and Lemon, which are great. So I think you have to be able to balance this kind of brand science with this kind of like hardcore digital acquisition. And, you know, everyone, a common discussion is how do I reduce my cost of acquisition? So if you're in e-com, it's all about, you know, you're spending 50 quid to get a new customer, 200 quid, whatever your product is. And the best way to reduce your cost of acquisition is to build a really strong brand. Now, the problem is it's not a lever that you can pull and get immediate results from. You'll start to see the results in three months, six months. It's more mm. it's more effective to get short-term growth with you know, acquisition ads, but actually it's more effective overall to build a proper brand. So I think that's what's really exciting at the moment is that people can't get away with just doing sales ads anymore. They have to build a brand as well. Yeah, I completely hear you there. Um, let's let's talk a bit about uh, the Gen Z audience. I know you actually, Ian, you were just, I think you were judging the um, best TikTok creative awards. How was it um, judging the, the best TikTok creative awards? What did you find there? And yeah, anything that you saw, trends, themes that, that would be good just for our listeners to hear about? Yeah, there's so much there. I mean, TikTok's a brilliant platform and I'm, you know, I'm probably not the core demographic. I think that 60% of TikTok's audiences were under 25, 40% over 25. I'm just over 25, Emma, as you know. Um, so, so, but I love TikTok. It's brilliant and, and it's got something for everyone in it. Um, I think the good TikTok awards are brilliant. So it's Simon Andrews um, and Anthony McGovern. They've done a really, really good job. For the last 85 weeks, they've been releasing a free newsletter every single week. So if you search good TikTok awards, oh, sorry, good TikTok uh, email. And, um, and, and yeah, they're just showing brilliant examples. What was super interesting, a lot of the stuff that was, was winning was almost the first creative work that was put on the platform. So, so you know, one of the best ones is, is Messi and Pepsi. So Pepsi are really good at activating Messi. They seem to have a, the team there are really smart. They're really switched on. Um, and they did a brilliant piece there where Messi is effective. You know, he's, he's playing with the can in a duet format. And he basically just sets this duet up that you can play with. And I love that interactivity. I love that entertainment. He's really spurring people's creativity on. So he's kicking a ball across the other side of the duet. He passes a can of Pepsi across the other side of the duet. It's so clever. And normally with these sorts of celebrities, you've only got 15 minutes to make, you know, to shoot with them because they're so busy and with contracts. So I was so impressed with the way that they activated that as well. I thought it was wonderful. And then on the other side of it, you've got people like Duolingo and Ryanair. who've really built their brand character on the platform and they've built something which is distinct and slightly so unhinged good. as well. 
unhinged. It is unhinged, but it's very good, isn't it? Very good TikTok creative. It's very entertaining, you know. Um, so it's great. And for me, I, I, what I like about it is it's not about the polish of production. It's not about having a really great camera rig and shooting it properly. It's about the quality of the thinking. So it's okay if it's a bit rough and a bit blurry and doesn't quite work. But if the idea is good, everyone loves it, you know. So ideas win. They do. And it's it's funny because, you know, we have a strategy team at Wayland and you almost have to think in quite an off-key way on TikTok. You need quite a quirky way of thinking. And you need to really go against the brain often of what seems really obvious. And it's quite actually ex- exciting and being part of the brainstorms now, particularly for TikTok. It's, it's really cool, actually, thinking about subcultures and different genres that you can tap into in these niche communities that are thriving on TikTok. It's actually really exciting. And, and on that note, it, it, you know, we have many brands. And Ian, you've, you've always, you know, I know your backstory. I know you've been man that's you know worked in record shops you've always been into culture and creativity that's been your vibe you know through your career and we have so many brands that say to us you know how do we become more part of culture you know we want to show up authentically how do we do that as a brand and i think it's really really hard i think one of the things i've seen is social you know, people who are people who grew up with instagram who are really good at instagram like they kill instagram they get it they get the aesthetics they understand the channel if they're typically they also end up starting to run tiktok because they're the more senior person it's a new channel they're trying to turn on and it's a really different mindset so you almost have to like you know uh, a bit like men in black have your brain erased a little bit as you go onto tiktok and assume nothing and start and start from start from scratch i think for brands it's really frightening you don't necessarily have control of what's going on and you have to trust the creators that you're working with um, or your own content teams or whoever it is and you have to give them the freedom to get things wrong um, one of the things i've seen is that speed is super important it's not just being about um being on just riding the trend as it trends which is obviously the great thing you want to do you know you want to be having that Louis Theroux song within your ad before anyone else does. And and that's hard because of sign-offs. Um, but I think it's also about not overthinking stuff. It's about being spontaneous. Um, so, you know, a lot of the ads that we've worked on that took us two or three weeks to land and had a few sign-offs and revisions just fall a bit flat. The stuff where, you know, there was someone we knew who had an idea to shoot stuff, they just kind of shot it anyway and they ran it without telling us. That tends to work better. Yeah, and it is every platform has to be considered as its own unique platform and it has its own unique dynamics and has to be thought about differently. You can't just take one idea, blast it out across every platform, whether you're doing it yourselves or with creators, whatever it is, that just does not work. And it's, it's never usually fit for purpose, which is what we find. We had a client recently, one of our very big global clients, they've said to us pretty much there's no other way that we could reach our audience anymore than really with with creators we feel like creators is really the only way that we can reach this this audience and you know talking about them as almost like reaching the unreachables <laughs> i don't know just given your background and experience and i just wondered if you had any thoughts around that and you know you've obviously been judging the tiktok awards and things you know it's just really interesting to get your take on this gen z audience where are they what are they really engaging with yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, I think sort of classic strategy stuff is about getting good insight on your audience. And it's really easy to label people as demographics and Gen Z and millennials and Gen Xers like myself. Um, but actually, it doesn't necessarily help you very much getting into them. So we all know that, you know, it's super expensive to buy under 24s on TV. 
it's whatever i don't know if it's 80 pound cpm it certainly used to be and it's only a pound 50 cpm on tiktok so it, it does suggest that tiktok's the place that those people are going to be um, but i think getting a bit more granular with your audience getting some really good insights on what they're really into so what is it legitimately that drives them what are they excited about and then I think that that may well lead you into TikTok, but it may lead you somewhere else, you know. But I think it's about understanding the understand your audience beyond that demographic label and try and get into them a bit more. As you know, Emma, TikTok is full of sub talks, you know. I ended up in pet talk and then hamster talk and then gerbil talk. So, you know, it's all there. Um, but but I think it is about getting a bit more granular with your audience. And I think if you end up with a sort of Gen Z brief. Um, probably a good cheap trick is to push back on it a little bit and go, which bit of Gen Z? Because they're all different. Right. I think pushing back on that and asking more is is definitely something we all have to get into the habit of doing, actually, especially in the, the new world order that we're seeing. But it's, it's interesting because yeah. Gen, Gen Z is going to be out. I mean, I remember when millennials were not the main audience, you know, and everyone was like, oh, how do we speak to millennials? And now millennials is everyone. You know, it's the mainstream audience. And yeah. you're going to be the same with Gen Z as well. Um, so, yeah, but I think digging into the audience a bit is always worthwhile. TikTok video, you've got reels. Obviously, it's very different because this is not about your followers. This is not a social graph. This is a content graph. This is more about thematics, trends and formats that really drive discoverability. With the rise of those formats, you, that's going to have a huge impact on S-commerce. I'm going right back to the top of this conversation when you were like, it's got to be about the feeling, the smell, the everything. This is going to be a huge part in all of that, isn't it? These, these video formats and formats like Reels and TikTok video and the way those algorithms work. I think so. And I think it's the kind of, um, so definitely video. I mean, that's, that's definitely something that we've seen when we're looking at strategies for DTC businesses and we're looking at what used to work so static images used to work really well for retail in, in in instagram whether it was organic or whether it was you know whether it was um for performance marketing you know we say static sales get a good mix of static in your ad sets with the video but i think increasingly i'm sure static still does sell if you've got you know facebook will serve your static ad if your phone's running out of batteries or you haven't got a good connection so you need a mix of stuff but definitely video and where we've seen that if people don't have a diverse enough set of assets, I think that's when they're that's when they can be in problems. I know, I know certainly from my days back at Facebook that the fastest growing brands had like forty plus assets running at any one time in their ad sets. So they sort of hedged their bets, and it wasn't about having the best ad; it was about having a bunch of different ads, a diverse portfolio of ads that would connect with different people. And that still feels like a really, really good um, a good setup today. So yes to video, yes to experimenting. What I love about experimenting with native video that's shot on a phone is it's not expensive to do. If you get it wrong, no one will see it. But if you get it right, it could be, you know, it could be the start of another set of videos that you could build and iterate. Are there any brands? I mean, you, you mentioned some of the success, you know, that, that obviously China are really ahead in this space. I know, I think I was sure of that, that 40% of, you know, people in the US have purchased something through an S-commerce, you know, transaction. It, it, it's clearly happening. Are you seeing any brands who are really sort of, you know, doing incredibly well in this space, who are really killing it, who are really nailing it? There's a good question, which is what is social commerce, you know? And I think a lot of the earlier stuff I was doing was very focused on live, which is kind of exciting for creative people, but it's not bread and butter everyday stuff. It's a big spike that you do for a launch or an event. So I think if we step back and we redefine social commerce as anything where you're getting customers from social or digital media, um, then I think, yeah, we, we did a research report last October, which was about homeware in the UK. 
And obviously, you've got your digital native D2C brands like Made.com, Made a Brilliant, really interesting creator strategy, which is mm-hmm. quite broad. It doesn't just look at who their current audience are. It looks at who their future audiences should be. I just think it's really smart. Um, John Lewis, you know, who empowered all of their shop staff during the pandemic to have direct video conversations with the with customers, you know. So there's some really interesting stuff going on there. But what I thought was really interesting was all the old school performance marketers like, you know, DFS. So all of these UK people who would have been on TV 20 years ago, they've actually got a really good handle on how their funnel works. They've got a really good handle on the role of reviews, for example. So, you know, my favorite trick, don't tell anyone, Emma, is if you're working on a brief for a D2C brand, go and read their Trustpilot reviews because you'll generally find what makes them magic and special and what people hate about them. And within those little nuggets of beautiful bits of copy that no creative could ever write, they have to come from a genuine human. There's some brilliant stuff in there. So, so yeah, it's a really interesting place, but it's not just the new D2C brands who are good at it. There's also some older brands who've thought about it, thought differently about it, and kind of like, and gone into it in quite a methodological way. I guess this is really all best done in-house with a team. You know, it's so close and central to the business, this sort of focus around S-commerce is so intrinsically linked with e-commerce. So is, is that, and I know I know the team at Made and a lot of that is done in-house. So is that what you're seeing typically? Um, yeah, I mean, if I was in theory, yes. If I was writing some PowerPoint or Google Slides for it, I'd say do it all in-house. But the practice actually is that you generally can't get all of the talent you need. I think the centre of gravity is probably in-house, but you want to go out and have specialist relationships and you know, a lot of the brands I'm doing have to work with partners. The teams are growing so quickly. They're really, really stretched. Um, and, you know, you want a really good videographer for that. Or you need someone who's brilliant at working with creators to help you with it. So I'm typically seeing a hybrid. I guess what I'm not seeing is traditional advertising agencies in the mix, though. So it is a mixture of in-house teams. Um, and then typically the specialist performance media agencies, creator and talent agencies and production houses. So or freelancers and consultants like myself as well, who are kind of helping to, to shape strategy. So definitely in-house is the centre of gravity, but they don't work alone. It, it, they've got specialists in there as well. Ian, that was fantastic. Thank you so, so much for your time, your insight, your ideas. Thanks, Emma. It was great to talk to you. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey with the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. And a special thanks to Ian for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of a talent network, partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Emma Harmon. We'll catch you next time. with creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. Whaler, Ed Week's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year.
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.